Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back. Today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Natalie May. Natalie is a doctor of psychology who once was consumed by depression and multiple addictions, but overcame her mental problems with the help of cognitive behavioral therapy. And we're going to let her tell you all about that in a minute. She was born in Moscow, but lived outside of Russia most of her life in Europe, Asia, Africa, and then in the US, she lived in Miami for, I believe she said four years. Now she travels the world and works with people online, helping them overcome destructive habits. Welcome Natalie, so glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit more about you. Tell us kind of how you got into this. I know we just spoke for a few minutes before the, before the interview and you were talking about your family. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how you got to be a doctor of psychology. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for um, inviting me to your podcast. It's my first podcast, so I'm a little bit nervous, but I I will try to do my best. And um, I hope you can understand my Russian accent. (laughs) I love it. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, um, actually, uh, my first education was uh, in economics. It was business administration. So, uh, I w- was working in uh, like a corporate job for uh, many years in, in sales, uh, uh, like wholesales, uh, international sales. So, I was traveling a lot for uh, for business. And um, <clears throat> um, so, I just like had a normal corporate life. And then um, uh, I met my business partner, who became my husband as well, and uh, we uh, started our own consulting agency. And uh, so I uh, started having, like, let's say, more flexible uh, schedule. So at that time, I started to, uh, you know, to uh, do a lot of drinking let's say, because uh, I was not like, uh, I didn't have to wake up in the morning and go to work every day, you know, so uh, like the problem started to uh, become bigger for me because I just, um, I was, uh, let's say, um, trying to release my stress with alcohol. And uh, how did this happen to me? Why why alcohol? Why not something else? Because my father, uh, well, he has a problem with alcohol and all his life. And uh, also he was uh, once a professor in an economic university and uh, he had a lot of students. So he had to like represent himself and be, you know, <laughs> like intellectual. Uh, and um, so uh, there was no problem. But after when he uh, left the university, we had Perestroika. So everyone was allowed to uh, have their own business. So he uh, left the university and he started his own business. So he started drinking every day, you know, also to release the stress. And because he had the freedom, he could do so because he had a driver. He didn't have to drive, you know. So I grew up basically watching my father releasing his stress with alcohol. So for me, it was like a go-to thing, which 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 like which which helps, and also a lot of Russians do the same thing. It's just like a culture thing, you know. Like after work, you will have like a beer or wine or something. So 
at some point, you know, it was uh, like a problem for me because my husband was not drinking. And uh, I realized that it's like, I, I, it's it's not uh, working. But then again, he was also like a very like close person. We wouldn't have like very open conversations with him. He had like kind of his own life and I was just a part of it. Yeah. So, um, and also therapy wasn't common for us at all so okay. we thought that therapy is only for like really crazy people <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's not something like i was looking forward to i think i talked to one uh, therapist but kind of i didn't really like connect it with her so i said okay let me just continue you know <laughs> doing doing what i can and um, we'll figure it out so um yeah so this is how I got into this drinking, uh, alcohol and drinking thing. And it was like, you know, almost on a daily basis, I would drink wine or, or something like that. Uh, also, the problem was that I didn't have like a, a healthy routine. So I wasn't uh, accustomed to uh, taking care of my body on a daily basis, like doing yoga or, or, or cardio exercise every day so it left me an opportunity to drink every day because i didn't have something to look forward to and and i didn't have kids either so basically you know this freedom uh like financial freedom and the freedom to travel freedom uh to spend my time as uh, as how i wanted it was actually uh, not a good thing for me because uh it, it left me uh, too much freedom for these destructive habits, which uh, overtook me. Right. So, yeah. So okay. this is how it happened. Mm -hmm. And then when you realize all of a sudden, like you just woke up one morning and you're like, okay, this has got to stop. Or did you have this aha moment? Or was it your husband that said something? Uh, no, actually, it was um, uh, it was actually in Miami because uh, we moved to Miami at some point, uh, but uh, at this time we decided to split because um, we didn't um, really have common goals and uh, uh, I was tired of the business that we were doing, so we decided to split. And in Miami, you know, it's full of parties and uh, alcohol and drugs, unfortunately. So this is where I was introduced to the drug culture because like mm -hmm. all my party friends we were uh, doing like coke and weed and all these type of things. So uh, unfortunately, I was in this uh, in this situation where uh, I started liking to do these things. And again, I had a lot of freedom because I was uh, working as a real estate broker. So I would just sometimes like bring a client to show the apartment, you know, once a week or something. So I didn't really have, uh, again, uh, like a schedule or anything. So I had too much freedom. So I was always at these parties and um, again, like going in even more into these destructive habits. So the alcohol became my least problem, I would say, <laughs> because I had, yes, I was already like uh, addicted to drugs. And when I say addicted, you know, maybe some people uh, think they will do drugs uh, because it will it will stimulate them. It will uh, make them, you know, like maybe happier or maybe freer or maybe even some people uh, do drugs because uh, they think it makes them uh, more productive. Right. A lot, a lot of businessmen do that and they actually believe that. So I also believe that, you know, if I will do a little bit of drugs, I will be more productive. 
I will I will be more I don't know confident and I will write better emails or something. Which is <laughs> yes, now it it sounds really funny and uh, you know stupid, but a lot of people think that that a little bit of drugs will will make them better, and that's a, a big um, uh, that's a big lie because this is what the brain is telling us. Uh, right. In reality, uh, drugs cannot ma- make us better, especially on on daily basis. It destroys the brain and it destroys the body. And uh, there is a lot of scientific research proving that. But of course, when you just start doing it, you're not going to Google scientific research about drugs. You just you just do that because everyone is doing it and and it's fun. So, right. Yeah. So this is how I got it. And I started to like, it really started to reflect on, on me, like my mood changed and my personality changed. And um, I was all the time partying. I neglected my job. You know, I, uh, I, I wanted to do some business projects, but I was not paying attention. So I was losing money and it became a big problem for me. So, uh, and um, uh, at some point, mm, I just um, realized that it's not working for me. Okay. So you uh, did wake up. You all of a sudden just woke yes. up and were like, wow. Yes. Uh, kind of. I realized that all these people around me, they don't really have jobs. They 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 are like party people. And uh, they are with me because, uh, you know, I'm nice. I'm uh, fun to be with. And uh, I'm of like happy personality. And uh, also they can borrow money from me because I still had money. So basically they, they, they all want something from me, but I'm not getting anything from this, all this parting. And um, so it was like, um, it was, uh, I think it was new year. So it was like six years ago. It was 2017 to 2018. And I was like, and everyone was inviting me for a party. And I, I was like, I, I'm not going anywhere. I'll just switch off my phone and I will neglect the, uh, all the uh, invitations. Uh, I, I won't go anywhere. And I was living in the middle of Miami in the Brickell Plaza. It was a party like everywhere <laughs> <laughs> in the building, around the building, <laughs> all over Miami. And I was just like, lock myself at home. And um, well, of course I had uh, drinks, <laughs> certainly, but I didn't go anywhere. And I said, okay, from this year, I, I, I will try to concentrate on uh, on my on my life, on my health, on my uh, career, on my business. But I won't uh, spend more time with all those people because uh, they are like just pulling me into uh, like nowhere. Yeah, so- it's com- it is. It's completely toxic, and it's hard to get out of. So, I mean, you stopped cold turkey. Did you go through what you would consider withdrawal? I mean, because alcoholism in general, I mean, that's an an addiction. That's one of the most dangerous things to withdraw from. Did you have to get medical help for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing is that no, I did not. I did not uh, do anything. I I did not go to therapy. I did not even read the self-help book. It was just like a decision for me that from now on, I'm not uh, doing like Coke and I'm not drinking, you know, so I'm just going to be, uh, I still, um, I was still uh, smoking uh, weed, like this uh, electronic cigarettes because they were like all over, but I think they're even legal 
So I was like, okay, if it's legal, it's not going to do me so much harm. At least I will leave this for for a while, you know. But all the like hard stuff, which was like really reflecting on my health, physical and mental, I, I just removed it. And how did I know that I can do it without therapy? Because like back in the days, I was also a smoker. I started I started smoking when I was uh, only 15 years old because I was trying to fit in. Um, uh to uh, to the new school like here like hungary where i am now uh i just like came from moscow and i didn't have uh any friends so no one spoke russian it was completely different um world for me all the foreigners i never been in this situation so i was trying to fit in and all the girls smoked and i started smoking with them and i, I smoked for for 10 years and uh almost and i couldn't stop and even like my parents were begging me to stop, my boyfriends, you know, my my even my husband, he was telling me to stop, but I just couldn't stop. I I I went to um uh, some kind of therapy when they put needles in you, uh, like acupuncture. Then, uh, yeah, thank acupuncture, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it helped me for a little bit, but after a month, I started smoking again. So I just couldn't get rid of this habit, and uh, until one day, it was my birthday. And uh, I woke up, I remember, and I, I, I was thinking, like, I, I want to give a gift to myself, some kind of, like, amazing gift that no one else can give me. And I was like, I should stop smoking. And, you know, from that day, I never smoked again in my life. Not only the smoke, now I hate the smell of smoking. I cannot be with someone who smokes. Like, my uh, mindset completely changed, like this. Right without any therapy so even then i knew that maybe i can like self-talk myself into um like you know self-therapy or something so right. it really works for me i don't know about other people some people are like that some people need external force to change them but for me it was like the beginning of my cognitive behavioral therapy even before i studied even before i didn't know what it was that this kind of therapy existed but uh actually i i helped myself with the, with this um strategy well it's amazing because most people start looking for the external help you know they go to they go to all these things but at the end at the end of the day it's internally you got to want it you know, you can go to every group, you can go to, you know, you can be hypnotized, but if you're not open and wanting to stop, it's not going to do any good. You're just going through the motions. So until you truly want to do it, it's it's a mute point. It really is. So it's good that you kind of started at the very beginning versus wasting all your time with all the other stuff. I was actually curious, too. Like I when I asked the question, I was even more curious about the addictive, like, you know, the the withdrawal symptoms. And you just literally had none of them? Absolutely none. Wow. And, That's almost uh, divine and... intervention. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can think of it this way. But uh, exactly as you said, uh, if you make uh, the decision to stop, then nothing will stop you. But if, if, if you don't, then nothing will help you. And exactly this uh, I write in my book. Uh, it's uh, called Just Stop Addiction with Cognition. I just finished writing it. And uh, I wrote exactly the same thing that... You um, can go to uh, AA meetings, to therapy, to, I don't know, you can pray, you can, you can do anything. But if you don't decide 
within yourself, then then nothing can help you. Absolutely nothing. Because the power to do it is in, in your mindset. It's in your own mindset. And you are the only one who is in control of your life. And when you're expecting other people to help you, you're like putting this, uh, you're handing them the control, the remote control. <laughs> and and, uh, and that's why uh, most of the people who go to the therapy, after uh, one month, they relapse. Because yep. there is no this remote control anymore. They didn't make this decision. They just went there because they were probably forced by their families or 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 something. So uh, this remote control thing doesn't work. No, absolutely not. I actually, one of my very first episodes I did on my podcast was a lady named Carolyn Deck. And she talked about that. Her whole podcast was, there's only one choice and it's yours. And it was all about, and I talk about that all all the time. It's just that it's inside. Like you cannot count on anybody else. Even children, I tell them, you've got to be your own knight in shining armor. You know, when you grow up and you grow up with chaos and everything around you and you're waiting for someone to come and rescue you, there's a darn good chance it's not going to happen. <laughs> so you have to, you know, everything you got, you got inside. That's that's great that you did that. And especially great that you realized the habits and that it was a destructive habit that you watched your father. I mean, if you watched your father drinking all the time to relieve stress, what else do you know? You know, that's what you do to relieve stress. That's the norm. So that's by default what you're going to do. But um, do you, and you have a great relationship with your father now. You said that that you guys are you're at peace now once you gave him a little grace and realized that it was, you know, he went through it because I talk a lot about that, about the generational, how it passes down from generation to generation to generation. Do you consider yourself the stopping point? Yes, absolutely. I, I uh, hope to be the stopping point, not only for my family, but for many uh, other families, because uh, I think, you know, everyone has this generational trauma because uh, people uh, were <clears throat> uh, not in control of, of their lives, like all the time, and uh, they, it just accumulates from one uh, to another, and very few Parents uh, actually uh, were good ones because parenting is a challenge. And uh, of course, um, like parenting is not the only like task that uh, an adult has to do. They also have to provide, <clears throat> they have to live their life, they have to communicate with each other if it's like a mother and father, and they have their own problems all the time, like my parents were always, uh, my mother was always stressed because my father had other women. He always had affairs. And uh, <clears throat> my mother was always stressed. And um, I, I saw that uh, happening in front of me. And uh, so, so it was it was not a healthy environment altogether. And I think a lot of people also grow up in this environment. And uh, in this situation, you, you don't have anyone to talk to because like your parents are supposed to be the ones who will listen to you and give you good advice. But in my situation, uh, it, it was never the case. Uh, I would rather hide everything from them because the only thing that I, I could, um, they would consider if I would come to them, they would just consider it more stress coming from right. me. You know, <laughs> they only have their own problems. And uh, so I tried to be like I ideal uh, child. I had always uh, like good marks in school. I was uh, always like... Uh, um, trying to uh, be a good girl so whenever like when uh, the moment i had the freedom 
I just trashed all my good girls. <laughs> you took it to the other extreme. <laughs> yes, immediately, you know. So, um, and this is the problem a lot of people have because they're trying to be, <clears throat> they're trying to act like everything is good and uh, they're putting on this uh, mask of a good person. But when something triggers them, they just go the opposite way. And uh, people are like, oh, what happened to you? You know, like, I'm sorry, I had all this stored and it just exploded like volcano. Well, I mean, it's got to get out. You've got, you know, it doesn't, nothing stays stored forever until you take it out and deal with it. And you're either going to stay the way you are and you're going to be eaten up physically by stress and anxiety and everything that's holding in, or you're going to explode one way, one way or the other, but it's going to come out. Like, it's going to come so, out for sure. Mm-hmm. And tell tell me about you said you were a doctor of psychology and you worked with cognitive behavioral theory. Tell or therapy. I'm sorry. Tell people about that CBT. For those mm-hmm. of you that are listening, it's a lot of times you'll just hear it being called CBT, and that's what you deal with. So talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, it was uh, in the beginning of 2020 when I returned to back to Moscow. Uh, and, uh, uh, I, like the COVID started and at this time I was visiting my grandmother and she had dementia, dementia. So, uh, I first, uh, faced this problem in my life. I didn't know that this kind of problem existed. I heard of it, but didn't know. So I realized how powerful is the brain. And this is when I decided to study psychology. Uh, so uh, during COVID uh, year, I applied for Moscow University and I, I was studying online. So I was taking care of my grandmother and studying psychology so I wouldn't go crazy you know, <laughs> from the whole situation in the world and in with my grandmother because I couldn't leave her. We didn't know, um, uh, like we wouldn't give her to a hospital because also that time was very uh, problematic to to find a hospital because they were full with uh, sick people. So I had to spend almost one year with her and it gave me opportunity to understand how uh, fragile is the brain when we don't uh, use it right. Like my grandmother, like she spent her a lot of time, like in the last years uh, before this happened, she was alone in her home because the grandfather passed away and she was all the time watching like TV. You know, so she was not really exercising the brain. So it was just uh, something to pass the time. So um, and the brain, when it doesn't, um, when it doesn't work, when it doesn't do like new things, it starts to deteriorate. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, so uh, so I, I I witnessed this firsthand, and uh, I said, that, okay, I need to like learn <laughs> more about this, and uh, because this is like really uh, a big problem. And it happens to a lot of people uh, <clears throat> because they just stop, um, you know, especially after they stopped working and they are retired and they are not uh, exercising um, the brain with the new information. And the neocortex is the new part of our brain, which always needs to like solve new things. Then it will keep us uh, like young and healthy and smart. But the moment we stop exercising it, we uh, deteriorate. Yeah, it's so, just like a muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, people, I I have actually tennis elbow right now. And so for a while I stopped using that arm and it was, I didn't go to the doctor, but I, it hurt. So I stopped using it and it wasn't long before the muscles on the back of my arm started to kind of atrophy and because you're not using. 
So the brain is just like that. If you don't use it, it doesn't stay strong. It just, it deteriorates. There's no, there's no other way to put it. I mean, that's the best way to put it. But so with the cognitive behavioral uh, therapy, so did you use that for your own healing or is this just something that became an interest to you after watching your grandmother? Uh, so uh, first, I uh, wanted to use it for my own healing because I still uh, haven't recovered completely. Uh, like I stopped using the drugs, but I was still kind of didn't fit in the world because, uh, you know, like Miami and Moscow is completely different uh, worlds. So like uh, United States is a free country and Russia is absolutely the opposite <laughs> of that. So so I was still thinking, you know, like, oh, what I'm going to do with my life, you know, if I'm not in the United States. And the United States was kind of dangerous for me because I didn't want to go back to like Miami to the drug culture. But Moscow, again, I, I, I didn't see myself doing anything there because I wanted to do something creative and free. But uh, there was no uh, opportunity for that whatsoever. I've tried, but I didn't find anything. So I said, okay, uh, maybe psychology is going to be useful for me. Uh, in the future, uh, when I learn it, I can be a psychologist because it's interesting, it's creative, and it's useful for all the people all over the world. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, culture there is in the country, but psychologist is a, is a great thing. So this is how I started to study psychology and I chose cognitive behavioral therapy because I kind of resonated with it because as I mentioned before, I changed my own behavior with just like a decision, basically, not uh, because there are other therapies which are um, focused on the past, uh, you know, to resolve the past issues or like the art therapy or, you know, there is like thousands of different therapies. But I said, not for me, it's uh, like I'm interested in meaning of things. So if you understand that the meaning of um, like alcohol is destruction, like self-destruction, then you will surely, because, because you're smart, you will surely stop doing that the moment you will realize that it's not therapy like your father thinks, but actually it's um, poison for the brain. You know, when you realize that, you will surely make the right decision because well, we are, have the intelligence to, um, you know, to to judge, make this kind of judgment. So that's right. why I chose cognitive behavioral therapy because it's all focused uh, on the changing the brain patterns with understanding the meaning of things. So when you understand the meaning, uh, like when you track the meaning of your thoughts and understand that maybe it's not your thoughts, maybe somebody else uh mentioned it and uh, you're just repeating it you don't even think that uh and uh, maybe it, uh, this is uh, a result of some kind of trauma that you had in your childhood when you just analyze yourself and your thoughts you can also uh, change your behavior for better because you by by simple analysis like self-analysis so i thought this is a very good thing and also it can be very fast it can give very fast results because if the person is really intelligent then in one session is enough because it will just explain to this person that okay this is like this and this is like this and the person will uh, agree obviously and that's it you're free to go and live the best version of your life that's why cognitive behavioral therapy for me is like the number one tool to help people with mental issues. Okay, so let, give me, okay, so I'm going to just hypothetically for the listeners out there. So 
a lot of the listeners out there grew up kind of like I did or you did with the alcoholic parent. And you have a lot of rewiring, a lot of to do because you have, like you said, you were emotionally abandoned. You weren't given love. You weren't given connection. So all of those patterns that you are establishing in your subconscious behavior is following you right through into adulthood. So let's say someone comes to you and they say, you know, um, hey, Dr. Natalie, I got a question. I grew up like this. I know that I am a total and complete pushover with everything because all I want to do is please people. I just want to make everybody happy. Um, where would you like, what would be a process you would start with them? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I was actually exactly the same way because I was uh, uh, lacking uh, love from uh, my childhood. And my biggest uh, goal was to get this love from everybody. So I became a people pleaser and I was just like being the convenient version of myself. So everyone around me will be happy. But uh, this led me to, um, to a nervous breakdown because at some point I understood that all people want from me is to be convenient for them. And I don't actually like any of that. I don't want any of that because uh, let's say I've been doing this for 10, 20 years and I'm, I'm tired. I don't want that, any of that anymore. I need to search uh, in myself, what do I actually like? Who do I want to be? Instead of repeating things after other people, because uh, in the end, everyone around us just wants us to be convenient for them. And this is normal, but it's uh, our uh, job and task to uh, have the resilience not to fall into the trap of, of uh, exchanging our uh, life, uh, the convenience of us for, for love. Because uh, we should cultivate the self-love. And self-love is uh, something that uh, will always uh, make you powerful by your own, on your own. You won't need to ask anyone for love anymore. You won't need to do things in exchange of love. You won't need to do any of that. If you just focus on yourself and be uh, your own best friend, your own I love, I love, I'm gonna, <laughs> I love that. So I say that to every single person I talk to. If you would just treat yourself like your own best friend, everything would be good. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's a, yes, exactly. It's very true. So, okay. So then do you give them a step or is it just all about, I mean, cognition, I'm, if I looked it up, it would probably say awareness or knowledge or, so it's really just literally figuring out the awareness of why you are the way, why you think the way you think, and then pulling in the reality of what it really looks like. And then are there steps to go along with it or is that it? Um. Uh, well, actually, yeah, this is the first part is just okay. uh, for the people to realize that uh, why they need this, why they're doing this, because they didn't get enough love from the childhood and they grew up like this. So when people realize that, they also ask me, what do I do next? Like you need to focus on what makes you happy. And uh, I have developed for myself a uh, life guide, eight dimensions of happiness. So I also have it in my book. Okay. And uh, uh, this is what usually I give to people uh, in the end of every session. 
So this is like a table which they need to uh, fill uh, for uh, 10 years of their life, like 10 years uh, goals, five years goals and one year goals. Uh, in uh, terms of um, physiology, psychology, family, finance, uh, <clears throat> what else? social, uh, and uh, um, what's the last one? This word just escaped my mind. Spiritual religion, but is, yeah, is thank you. Yeah, spiritual. Yeah, spiritual. Yeah, spiritual. So all these dimensions. So instead of just like copying other people and putting fake goals for yourself, like, oh, I want to buy a new car. Why? Because my neighbor bought a car, you know, or my or my friend bought a car, you know, that's why I want the car. Like, no, you don't even want the car. Maybe you want to live in a small village when you don't even need the car. Maybe you want to live on a small island when there are no cars. I lived in Philippines on the island. Uh, there were no cars allowed. And uh, everyone would just either walk or uh, take a bicycle. So no cars there. And so many people came from the United States or from Canada or from Europe to live there. And they were extremely happy. So they don't need to spend time in traffic jams. You know, so, uh, yeah. So the next step is to really focus on every uh, dimension of your life uh, I call it eight dimensions of happiness uh, what truly makes you happy like do you want to have a family or you want to be alone maybe forever because everyone is different not everyone is created to have children like right well maybe not it's not the right time for 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 everyone to have children maybe somebody wants to have children straight away and someone wants to never have children yeah, maybe somebody wants to have a dog, somebody wants to have a pet, you know, or someone doesn't want to have pets at all. So it, it's really like time to study yourself and to put all this, um, whatever makes you happy uh, in this table and uh, uh, structure your life in uh, accordance with this. When you put down uh, all these uh, things in all these eight dimensions, your life really starts to look like... Um, like a, a, a complete picture, which you can uh, really uh, relate to. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's fun, it's engaging because you don't need to follow these um, uh, fake artificial uh, goals, which are, you know, uh, given to us by the media, by society, by our parents, I don't know, by, by our friends and uh, all the other people. No, we uh, discover our goals from uh from the bottom of our hearts, from the deep inside our minds, from the soul, from everything that that uh, is within us, not outside. So we really focus on ourselves, on the self-love, and we make this plan. And uh, we come back to this plan like every week or every month because, uh, you know, when you start doing something, then you uh, is the only way to understand, do you like it or not like it? Like, for example, I had a, a dream of having a Bentley. At some point, I was just like, I just wanted the Bentley. I don't know why I had Audi and Mercedes, but I wanted Bentley. So uh, until the day when we went to the uh, car uh, salon and uh, I sit inside the Bentley and I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want this car. Why There's no room in here. <laughs> it's like no 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 it, it was like you know i i didn't like it somehow i did not like it but i had to like go and sit inside this car and and i realized that what i wanted before 
it's actually not what I want. It was my imagination, what the car would be, because it's like a nice name, Bentley, yes, and uh, it's uh, it looks uh, nice from outside. But you, when you get inside, it's just weird. It had this uh, uh, wooden uh, panel, which was really old school. And I was like, oh, I don't even like, like that. Like my, my Audi is much better than this. Like why did they, I even want this car? It's because it looks nice from outside. So you have to get inside of doing something. And then again, you analyze, do, do I really want it? Or maybe I should change this goal because it's not me at all. And But you have the freedom to do that because it's not imposed to you by out, from outside. It's, it's really your job. So this is, uh, this is my strategy for working with people. Well, that sounds amazing. And um, it's called Just Stop Addiction with Cognition, which I love. I even said to my husband right before this episode, right before the recording, and I said, check out the title of this book. Like, isn't that cool? And then we started talking about the the cognitive behavioral and all that stuff. But I love those eight steps because it's it's cut and dry. If you look at it and you analyze them, then every time you have to make a decision, you can just say, is that me thinking or is that just stuff that's being fed to me? Because we are in a very toxic society. Everything is status quo and you know, you got to look the best, you got to have the best stuff, the nicest stuff, even if it means going in debt to have it. And we're in an instant gratification to keep up with the Joneses. I don't know if you've heard that expression, but that's a very big expression in the United States. That's just keeping up with the Joneses. It's having what the neighbors around you have so that you can look as cool as them. And it's such BS. It's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, if you just have this wheel or this chart or however you put it in your process or in your book it's pretty cut and dry sounds like and then you can yeah. make choices based on that mm -hmm. yes exactly uh this expression you mentioned i thought it was keep up with kardashians oh well it could be <laughs> the expression actually came about way before the keep up with the Car with the before the kardashians were popular so it must oh. have changed to the kardashians <laughs> at some point when they were the coolest mm -hmm. um i'm from up northeast so i never really got into all that stuff but yeah no i get it it is keep up with the kardashians and that's maybe that's the 2024 version of it <laughs> that's the newer version i'm i'm old school so i'm still keep up with the joneses that was the most mm. popular american name back then mm. but um yeah no it totally makes sense and i'm excited to get your book actually i now that you explain more about what it is just the title grabbed me but if people want to work with you, see you, talk to you more, get more information besides your book, that's obviously all these are going to be in the links, but what is the best place for them to reach out and talk to you? Uh, my website, I think, because they can read a little bit about me and, uh, and they can also book an appointment with me right on the website. Yes. Yeah, so, and uh, and uh, thank you that uh, you uh, said you like the title of my book. I have a little story about this because it, it, there is a, a popular slogan now, just stop oil. Right. So I was uh, actually uh, involved uh, a little bit in the uh, environmental um, uh, campaigns, let's say. Uh, and I was... Um, trying to also do some uh, environmental uh, movement uh, in uh, Budapest. And I connected with uh, some uh, ecological parties. And uh, I went to a meeting once and uh, they were there. They wanted to write something on the on the um, uh, on the billboards to go to like to protest 
for uh, for some kind of uh, thing related with the oil. So I, I asked them uh, because I'm I'm a psychologist. I asked them, "What's your goal of uh, writing like sentence on this uh, on this billboard?" And they were like, "We just want to piss them off." You know, so I'm like, so you don't actually want them like to 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 do the change. You just want to piss them off, and you know, pissing someone off is the worst uh, motivation for them to change, right? right? So I was trying to explain this to these young kids, but they were there, you know, just because you know they they didn't have anything else to do, and uh, they were in this protest mode. Uh, against the whole world because they were like they didn't fit in probably in the society they didn't really look uh, nice or uh, you know or healthy either right so um what i'm trying to say a lot of uh, uh, people they just want to piece uh, off the opponent you know and that's why there is so much drama and tragedy is going in our world because people don't uh, they don't want the change to happen. They just want to, you know, get uh, um, get out all their emotions, like negative emotions, without actually thinking: Is this going to lead to the consequences which are favorable or not? So, um, yeah. So uh, that's why I use this title: "Just uh, Stop Addiction." To let's say to mock <laughs> to mock this movement, "Just Stop Oil," because. They uh, are doing like nothing to actually uh, promote uh, the uh, you know the switching from oil to like more healthy. No, they're just right. pissing everyone off, and this is not helping our world at all. Unfortunately, no, they're just trying to get attention. They're trying to be the squeaky wheel and just make a statement and have people react to them in general so that they get the attention. And yeah, no, negative attention is. I know a lot of uh, politicians and stuff will say, well, any attention is good attention because it's still people paying attention. But it, no, it's you're just making yourself look dumb, honestly. At that point. <laughs> so but I love it. I'm going to get the book for sure. Is it on audio or where is it? Is it on Amazon? Uh, no, it's not on Amazon. Uh, I made it uh, only in electronic form for now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so you can uh, buy it on my website and uh, I will send it to you in PDF form and in PowerPoint form. I uh, didn't put it on Amazon yet and um, I don't think I, I will go for uh, a printed like paperback because I really want to save some trees. <laughs> I there you go. And and um, and this book is perfect if you put it on your laptop. It's like a presentation. Yeah, so I'm thinking absolutely. maybe yeah. So it's really uh, convenient to watch on your laptop or on your iPad, and it's made for this format, like a horizontal format, and there are pictures there. So it's more like a PowerPoint presentation than a real book. So, yep. No, I have mine on ebook too, and I love it. And yeah, you're right. Why ship them out? Why? cut down a tree. Why do all that? You have, you have, you have other ways and everybody reads stuff on their tablet and their Kindle and their phone anyway. So, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, why not? So this was really fun talking to you, but before you leave, I want you to give our listeners. Now you kind of got an idea. We talked a little bit about before about who our listeners are and the name of the podcast is the adult child of dysfunction. Um, give them some words of wisdom or some pieces of, of advice or something they can leave with today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, number one uh, advice would be uh, to cultivate self-love. 
because this is the key for uh, everything. This is the key for uh, sanity, sobriety, and uh, good life. And uh, we should focus less on people who can or cannot give us love, including our parents, because they have their own problems. And a lot of them we don't know because they would never share it with us. Just like we don't share it with them, they don't share it with us either. And everyone could be going like a very um, traumatizing uh, psychological process in their hearts and we don't know about. So instead of uh, trying to understand why they are like that, why all these people are acting in, in a certain way, just really focus on loving yourself in the best possible way. And loving yourself is uh, not about uh, shopping or going for a vacation or you know just like buying some things or indulging in food or drinks. It's about having a healthy routine which will uh, help you like age stronger and be more resilient towards the stress that you're receiving from everywhere. So uh, this is uh, number one advice that I would give everyone. Self-love is the key to happiness. And then I love that. And you asked me to ask the audience why, what you would advise, advise to your younger self. And I'm assuming that's going to be the advice that you would give to your younger self as well. We, yes, exactly. Perfect. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you having being on. Thank you so much for having me, Tammy. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. And for everybody out there listening, remember, get her book. It's called Just Stop Addiction with Cognition. There's going to be lots of things. Use her eight-step process to really look at yourself. Sometimes it's very, very hard to self-analyze, but when you know what you truly want, it's a lot easier to go out and get it. So thank you very much and tune back in. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.